Good evening. Good to see you back in the Lord's house tonight. Let's stand if you would. Turn to page number 41 with me tonight. Page number 41, Jesus never fails. We'll sing all three verses as we begin together tonight. Page number 41. Earthly friends may prove untrue, doubts and fears assail. One who loves and cares for you, one who will not fail. Jesus never fails, Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. Though the sky be dark and drear, fierce and strong the gale, just remember He is near and He will not fail. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. In life's dark and bitter hour, love will still prevail. Trust His everlasting power, Jesus will not fail. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. Amen. Great start. Amen. Well, he never fails. Amen. And uh, sure thankful that you're here uh, tonight and trust you had a restful uh, afternoon. What a blessing this morning to get into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so looking forward uh, to tonight and back in our study uh, in the Kings and the Prophets. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, tonight. We certainly need our Lord to meet with us. Amen. And so I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark if you would pray for us tonight. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? Just wanted to mention a few announcements here very, very quickly. Uh, of course, looking forward to the couples retreat uh, coming up uh, this coming Friday uh, and Saturday. And so that's February the 2nd uh, and the 3rd. And so again, those couples that did sign up, make sure that you turn your money in by then. The cost is $190. You can just get a tithe envelope, put on their couples retreat and drop your money 
uh, in the offering plate. And don't forget about Friday night. The first session starts <clears throat> at 5 o'clock, and so looking forward uh, to that. And then, of course, uh, something that was kind of added to the schedule, we had to make some rearrangements, is that if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, make sure you're aware of this also, that February the 5th, which is Monday, uh, is the uh, basketball and volleyball games, another series of that. It'll be here at home, and so again, that's Monday night at home, and that'll be starting uh, at 6 o'clock. And then, of course, if you have kids in the youth department, don't forget about the youth rally at Temple Baptist Church in El Dorado, Kansas. That's on Friday, February the 9th. It starts at 7 p.m. I'm sure our kids will have to leave uh, quite a bit earlier uh, to get down there, but I know it's always a blessing uh, every year. And then lastly, I wanted to mention uh, these. We do have these bookmarks uh, out there. Uh, they're on the uh, table here in the uh, sanctuary. And uh, so if you didn't get one of those, make sure that you do. It just has our theme on there. And certainly a lot of the major events throughout uh, the year. I know sometimes people like to plan their vacations and different things like that. And so they want to know what's coming up. And so that's, that's available to you. And it's a blessing uh, as well. Also wanted to mention this. I'm aware that there was a local football team that won a game today. Um, but just so you're aware, in two weeks' time, there'll be a Super Bowl game, but we'll still have church. Okay. Let's turn to page 321. Page 321. I'll let you remain seated for this song. My sins are gone. We'll sing all four verses together tonight. Page number 321. You ask why I am happy, so I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone And when I meet the scoffers Who ask me where they are I say my sins are gone They're underneath the blood On the cross of Calvary As far removed as darkness is from dawn In the sea of God's forgetfulness That's good enough for me Praise God my sins are gone Twas at the old time altar Where God came in my heart And now My sins are gone The Lord took full possession The devil did depart I'm glad My sins are gone There underneath the blood On the cross of Calvary As far removed as darkness is from dawn in the sea of God's forgetfulness that's good enough for me praise God my sins are gone when Satan comes to tempt me and tries to make me doubt I say my sins are gone you got me into trouble but Jesus got me out I'm glad my sins are gone there underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary as far removed as darkness is from dawn in the sea of God's forgetfulness that's good enough for me praise God my sins are gone I'm living now for Jesus I'm happy night and day because my sins are gone my soul is filled with music with all my heart I say I know my sins are gone there underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary as far removed as darkness is from dawn in the sea of God's forgetfulness that's good enough for me praise God my
my sins are gone. Well, if you know your sins are gone and I say amen, praise the Lord for that. But ask Brother Micah Quinlan if you would pray for the offering tonight, please. Amen. stand together one last time tonight and turn to page 329. Page 329. We serve a wonderful Savior, don't we? He's a wonderful Savior to me. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4 tonight. Page number 329. Sing it out with me on the first. I was lost in sin, but Jesus rescued me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was bound by fear, but Jesus set me free. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He is always near to comfort and to cheer. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He forgives my sins. He dries my every tear. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me. A wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Dearer grows the love of Jesus day by day. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Sweeter is His grace while pressing on my way. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I'm going to ask you one more time. We serve a wonderful Savior, don't we? Much better response that time. He is so wonderful to us. You may be seated. Great singing tonight. Just before the message tonight, we're going to have a special from the Wisdom family.
seems like the whole day today has been about the faithfulness of our God. Amen. And uh, if anything, I trust that the messages are challenging you and me that we're the ones that struggle and need to be faithful. Amen. As, as, he, is, uh, as he is faithful. Well, it's certainly good to be back in the Lord's house tonight. And I'm glad Brother Eric asked you that question again. If we, you know, we serve a wonderful Savior, don't we? Because the first time he asked it, only one person responded. And I was like, I got more out of him talking about football. I think we got our priorities mixed up a little bit, amen? All right, well, let's, let's go ahead and dismiss in a word of prayer. Well, no, I'm just kidding. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Samuel in chapter number 7 tonight. And let's all stand in honor of God's Word if you're able uh, to stand tonight. And uh, I'm telling you, we serve a great God, amen? And we ought to rejoice in that and praise God for that tonight. 
Uh, 1 Samuel in chapter number 7, we do serve a faithful God. And we do struggle with our faithfulness to Him. I know that I do. And I know this, when I do, I need to set things in order. And I believe what we're going to see tonight is really an example of that in Israel. So look with me, if you would, at verse number 1. And and we'll kind of cover the background here once again and remind you of some things. Uh, But notice it says this, And the men of Kerjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel, and this is where it gets good, notice this, it says they lamented after the Lord. And Samuel, so here's our man Samuel again, spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Now this is what I like. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and serve the Lord only. What a blessing that is. For the past several messages, Samuel, who we know to now be the last judge, but also the first prophet, all right, he has been out of the picture. But if you remember, the word of the Lord given to Samuel had to come to pass, all right? We, we know this, judgment fell upon the house of Eli. That was everything that God had given uh, to Samuel there, and so uh, Eli, his sons were killed. Eli uh, died as he heard the news. And then we also know this, that the Ark of the Covenant of God uh, was taken by the Philistines as they lost the battle. And of course, Eli's daughter-in-law names her son, if you remember this, Ichabod. All right, that means this, the glory of the Lord had departed, and it truly had uh, departed. But now, the ark has come back into the land, thanks to the two milk cows, all right? And finally, Israel begins to seek the Lord in our text. And as they do, Samuel, all right, the man of God for the hour, begins to instruct them on how to set things back in order. And so that's the title of our message tonight. When things are out of order in our lives with God, they need to be put back into order. But what Israel, and what Israel, so what Israel and Samuel, what they do here, this is what I want to get across to you tonight, that it serves as timeless principles that still apply to us in the New Testament. Please, please understand this tonight. The stuff that he's going to deal with here, like things like repent and, and brokenness and getting right with God, listen to me, that is still necessary as New Testament believers. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. 
All right, and we've got to understand that tonight. And so I'm telling you, this very much has to do with us tonight. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word uh, tonight. You know, the last time that we were in the king's and the prophets, we saw where the men of, of Beshemesh were what I would call careless uh, with, with the ark. If you remember, they looked inside the ark. I'm telling you, you have no idea how difficult it was not to make a Raiders of the Lost Ark reference in that message. But I'm glad that I didn't, amen? Because I don't know, anyways, but what, whatever. The, the, but here's the thing you got to understand tonight. Focus, right? Focus. I've lost half of you right there. All right, please, this is what you've got to understand, is that when they'd done that, that was a product of the small things that they were careless about in the beginning. If you remember how they handled uh, the ark, the sacrifices of the milk cows, that though it seemed to be good on the surface, when you begin to examine it, it was really contrary to the law of Moses. And so the idea was this, is that when you become careless in the small things, you will eventually become careless in the large things, all right? And, and here's what I know, all right? And I, want, I want, to, want you to listen to this. Over and over again, God shows us in His Word that judgment follows when man tampers with his worship. And he, begin, and he gets careless. I, and I begin to think about that. I don't know if you realize that or not, but this goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. Abel was the one that brought... Uh, Cain, of course, uh, Cain, Abel was the one that that uh, brought of, uh, of uh, the lamb there, and Cain was the one that that brought uh, of his works, and it was not received by God, and so he killed his his brother in a in a jealous rage and became a vagabond. Uh, what the Bible says, a vagabond before the Lord. I thought about Nadab and Abihu, the the sons of Aaron, who offered strange fire and, and were killed. And, and no doubt this generation had seen uh, Hophni and uh, Phinehas, the sons of Eli, that had caused the people of God to forego the worship of God because they, they were stealing from the sacrifices and, and certainly committing adultery or fornication, all of that wickedness, and they died in judgment. So what, what I'm trying to get across to you is this. It's, no, it's of no coincidence that when the men of Bethshemesh opened up the ark, they were tampering with the worship of God and, judge, and the judgment of God fell upon them. What I would say to you tonight is this. It's a warning that we ought to be careful how we handle the worship of Almighty God. He is to be worshipped, the Bible says. L listen, He is a spirit and He is to be worshipped in spirit and, and in truth. Now the last time I checked, truth is the Word of God. Sanctify them in thy truth, for thy word is truth. And so what I would say to you tonight is this, is that anything outside of the boundaries of this book right here, it, it, listen, that, that's not real worship unto our God. All right, therefore, now watch this. When you and I decide that we're going to go outside the boundaries of what God has commanded us in worship, and we're going to worship God our own way, then the reality is He's no longer the object of our worship. We are. And in essence, we are worshiping ourselves. But because of this judgment of God on the people of Bethshemesh, we also know this, that they send the ark to Kerjath-Jerim, uh, which is where our text picks up uh, tonight. I mentioned this in the last uh, message. 
Kerjath Jerem was the city directly between Beshemesh, where it came from, and the judgment of God fell, and Shiloh, where the tabernacle was originally set up when Israel, uh, when Israel came into the land of Canaan under the leadership of Joshua. So, so there was a hint, if we could say it like this, there was a hint of getting right with God right there. And I'm thankful for that. So, but here's what I want to point out tonight. I want you to notice verse 1 of our text. It says, And the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab, Abinadab in the hill and sanctified, which means to set apart Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. So what they do, what they do is this. Now watch this. The men of Kirjath-Jerim had a far greater respect for the ark than the men of Bethshemesh originally did. Well, they, 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 listen, they, they get, uh, they, where, where the men of Bethshemesh were careless, the men of Kirjath Jerem, they, they sanctified, they set a man apart by the name of Eliezer, the son of Abinadab, and his job was to keep the ark. That means this, he guarded it. Nobody's tampering with this. This is God's. We're not messing, we're not messing with this. What I would say to you tonight is this, that's how we ought to treat the worship of God. We ought to guard it. We ought to protect it. We ought to do it according to the Bible. And let's not change it just because others are changing it. You understand, listen, well, preacher, you just don't understand the day and the time and that we are living in. No, what I understand is this, and this is really the bummer, is that people today are being trained to look for a church based upon its entertainment. What does, what does that, what, what kind of programs do they have to offer to my family? How, how was the band? If they ever ask, how was the band at Faith Baptist Church, we're in trouble. How was the band? You mean the rubber band? The band-aid? I don't, whatever. No, it's, that's, that's. How was the music? Was it cool? That, listen, let me help you with this tonight. Those things are out of bounds with the Word of God. And, and yet, listen, you're, we're not the audience tonight. You're not the audience. He's the audience. And we've lost sight of that in our churches today. What we need to do, what we need to do tonight is we need to look for a church based on the Bible. Are they, this, this is the things we need to ask ourselves. Are they, are they doing, as Faith Baptist Church, are they doing what churches in the Scriptures were doing? Are they preaching what churches in the Scriptures were preaching? Are they standing where churches in the Scriptures stood? That, because here's why. That's what a real church is. Listen, not, not, not worldly music, all right? So, so, but but I'm, I, listen, I love verse number one because, man, they know how to treat the worship of God. And that's how we ought to treat it. But here's what I want to say to you tonight. It's not all good news here. Look, look at verse number 2. It says, And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, now watch this, that the time was long for it, listen, it was 20 years. And, and so that tells us this, it, it stayed in Kirjath-Jerim for 20 years. That means, listen, so that means this. Now watch this, that our text tonight, you got to understand this. this. This is not just a reference back, all right? This is not Israel getting right with God from what happened in Beth Shemesh. 
And this is not Israel getting right with God because of what happened with the house of Eli and Ichabod. The reality is, this goes back all the way to the book of Judges. The theme of the book of Judges was this, every man done that which was right in his own eyes. And when you do that which is right in your own eyes, things are out of order. And your enemy, the Philistines in their case, is running them over. And it took 20 years for Israel, now that the ark is back into the land, it's taken now another 20 years for Israel to come to their senses and to decide to get right with God in our text tonight. The point is this. We don't need to tamper with God's worship and we don't need to wait this long to go through and go through so much difficulty that we finally humble ourselves and decide we need God. Listen, 20 hours is too long, much less 20 years. We, We need God every second of the day, every moment of the day. But what I am thankful for tonight, listen to this, what I am thankful for is that even though It took 20 years. The mercy of God is still going to be available to Israel. And what I would say to you tonight is this, just like it's still available to us. I I, I shared this testimony a a, a couple of months ago, I guess it was, so it'll probably sound uh, familiar uh, to you, but I I was, uh, uh, years ago, we had uh, went home, and, and I guess it was around the summertime, uh, typically when we would travel uh, back to uh, Florida and, and visit uh, some of our family. And so we had gone uh, back there, and my father-in-law was now the pastor at, at the time and, and asked me uh, if I would uh, preach for him on, on Sunday morning. He said, you know, a lot of the people were here when you got saved and, and, and surrendered to preach, and they always enjoy you preaching. And I said, great, I'll do that. And so uh, I, I preached that Sunday morning, and I can remember I can remember being in the pulpit, and there was a gentleman that came in in the morning service, and I didn't really uh, know who he was, and 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 so I just you know he just a nice uh, older gentleman, uh, probably in his sixties uh, or so, and and had a suit on and things like that. Not too old, all right, brother. Not he was he was senior. No, maybe maybe that's not a good. Anyways, I'm just going to get myself in a whole lot of trouble here. Just understand, he, he, was, he was wearing a suit. He came, I'm just trying to give you a description. Don't be offended. Mercy. Things are just not going well tonight. I should have drank more coffee. So he comes in and he sits down. And I, and I preach, and I don't even remember what the message was on or anything like that. But I remember, I remember during the invitation, he responded and came to the altar and, and, and got right with God. And, and it was a blessing. And, and I didn't know what all had went on, and, and little did I know, and I came later on, I, I came to find this out, that it turns out that Brother J.B. Bowles was the, was the gentleman, and he knew my wife's uh, family from, from years, uh, years earlier, and, and they all went to church together at another uh, church before that church had ended up having to close its doors. And so when, when all of that happened, he ended up getting out of church and he just got out of church and got way away from the Lord and just didn't come back and wasn't going anywhere. And then all of a sudden he pops in one day there at Victory Bible Baptist Church and, and I'm preaching and God just rings his bell and he comes to the altar and he gets right with God. Now I'm just telling you, listen, when he came forward and he got right with God, he got right with God. 
And he just dove all back in. And he, listen, he, from that point on, he never, he, he was always in church. He was serving the Lord. Uh, just, uh, just a tremendous uh, godly uh, man. Had a, uh, he, was, he was the pastor's right-hand man. Had a, had a tremendous impact on the people there uh, for the time that he was there until the Lord called him home, and including myself and my family. Just, just a tremendous, tremendous blessing. What I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is this, is that here was a man that had been away from the Lord for, for quite some time, and, and, and so I'm just telling you, the mercy of God was still available to him. And so I'm thankful tonight. He is the God of second chances. And if you're like me, sometimes it's third and fourth, and well, I'm probably on about 900 and something chances. And I'm thankful for that tonight. I like what the Bible proclaims in the Psalms, that His mercy endureth forever. And I'm thankful for that tonight. But, but secondly, li- listen to this, testimonies like Brother Bowles are becoming far and few between in our day and time. You know what I found is this, is that either people don't come back to the Lord or they come back for maybe a, you know, a short time. And it's like another, you know, maybe a few months or so. And then they leave again and go back out into the world. And what I believe is the problem here is this, is that they don't follow the pattern that's given in our text tonight. So if you're here tonight, and things are out of order, and you want to set things in order, then, then you need to see this pattern and what Israel does here and, and this example. I don't want to use the word pattern because we kind of used that one this morning, but it is a pattern. It is an example. It is a model, so to speak, that you and I need to grab a hold of tonight. So let me, let me give you some things tonight about setting things in order. Look at verse number 2 again. It says, And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long, for it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel, watch this, lamented after the Lord. Number one tonight, if you want to set things in order, setting things in order begins with true sorrow over sin. Seen in the phrase right here, where it says all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. The word lamented means this. It means to cry or to wail. It is the idea that Israel was broken over the circumstances of their, that their sin had caused and they truly within their heart longed to be right with, with God. So they, they, they had true sorrow over their sin and they truly longed to be right with God. Now, now here's, why, here's why I keep using words like true. Or truly. It's because people don't always have true sorrow over their sin. Won't you take your Bibles with me real quick and hold your place there? And I want you to go with me to Second Corinthians and, and chapter number seven, really quickly. Second Corinthians and, and chapter number seven. So it's pretty interesting here. We might get into a little biblical counseling here, but look at this right here, 2 Corinthians 7. <clears throat> it's a great testimony, really, to the church at Corinth. Though they were the carnal church in the first epistle, they're the getting right with God church in the second epistle for some of the things that they had done. Thankful for that. But look at verse number 9. 
So this is Paul talking back, uh, talking to the church again after the first letter of rebuke, and he says this, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. Do you see that? There's a difference there, isn't it? So, so now keep reading. He says, For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Okay, so now keep go, go with me to verse number 10. He says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. In other words, not to be turned away from salvation. Don't, don't want to turn away from that. You want to be saved. But, 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 but watch this. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. And that's really a reference back to what he said in verse number 9. He said, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to re repentance. And so the, the idea here is this, is that in writing to the Corinthians in this second epistle, Paul shows us that there are two types of sorrow that man can have in his life. He can either have godly sorrow or he can have worldly sorrow. God, godly sorrow, he says this. Well, well, godly sorrow leads to true repentance. Be a fact, it's, it's that same sorrow that we experience when we get saved. When we understand that we've sinned before God and that we humble ourselves and we need Him and we call upon Him in salvation. Come on, friend, we, we understand that. It's a sorrow before God that proves itself to be real and true in our life. But, but also in verse 10, he begins to talk about this sorrow of the world. Again, it's a reference back to the beginning statement in verse number 9. And this is, he said, this is not a true sorrow before God. So that means this, it's a sorrow before man. And ultimately, it leads to death because it's not a real sorrow. It's kind of like we would say it like this. It's, it's often because it's a sorrow that we experience because, well, we got caught. And since it's not true and real, what happens is this. We typically go back to whatever it was we were initially caught in when nobody else is looking anymore. Long time ago, I was pastoring Bible Baptist Church in Cassville, Missouri. And there was a man there in the church that he would often get caught in something by his wife. And so in getting caught, he decided that he would need to start going back to church with her. And so he would start. And he would express this, this sorrow. I, I mean, I, and, and listen, and on the surface, it looked to be genuine. I, I can remember there being times where we would have a service and he would be at the altar during the invitation. And even after the service, we would be out in the foyer and he would still just be weeping and, 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 and sobbing and, and crying because he was just tore up uh, over his sin. But what we begin to see was this pattern that, that he would get caught, he would come back to church, he would sorrow. But then after a couple of months and things began to settle down, 
he would eventually go back to his old friends and his old ways and doing the very same things that he was doing that got him there in the first place. That's worldly sorrow. That's sorrow because he got caught. That's sorrow before man, talking about his, his wife. And as a result, it, didn't, it never produced a real change in his life. And in fact, it led to his death, physically, and most likely spiritually. It was like, here's a good Bible example. Anybody ever remember a guy by the name of Pharaoh in Egypt? And Moses? And the plagues that would come, and for the most of the plagues, and almost every plague, Pharaoh demonstrated worldly sorrow. He would, he would have this fake repentance to get Moses to plead on his behalf to God to stop the plague, but once the plague what was over, Pharaoh would go right back to the old ways of keeping the people in bondage. See, anybody get this tonight? You understand? I'm just, listen, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. I'm telling you this. I don't want this in my life. I don't, I don't want this. I don't, listen, I don't, I don't want the outcome of Pharaoh. I don't want the outcome of, of others that have demonstrated this worldly sorrow. I, I don't want that which is fake. I want, I want restoration like Corinth. I want, I want to be faithful like Brother J.B. Bowles. I, I want, listen, I want, I want that which is real. And so therefore, I need godly sorrow in my life. I need true brokenness. I need the lamenting of, of Israel in our text. And so, well, okay, preacher, well, how do we... How do we do that? Well, we'll go back and, and look with me, if you would. And, and just let me point out just a couple of quick things here. Look, look again at verse number 2, because at that last phrase it says, In all the house of Israel, I mean, this is after 20 years, they lamented, they lamented after the Lord. So what I would say to you tonight is this, what Israel did, we need to do right here, which is this, we need to have an honest assessment of ourselves. I believe that's what Israel was doing here. I believe this. Listen, just quickly, just want to point this out. I think they were just sick and tired of being overrun by their enemies. I'm tired of living in the bondage of the Philistines. And the reality is that's what sin does, doesn't it? It creates a life of misery and, 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 and disappointment and, and failure. And we've got to, listen, we've got to get to that place where, you know what? I'm tired of no joy. I'm tired of I'm tired of I'm tired of being miserable. I'm tired of I'm tired of the frustration and the anger and the bitterness and, and everything going wrong. I'm tired of that. And I think Israel was there. I think Israel was just doing an honest assessment and going, wait a minute, this isn't what our God promised us when He brought us into this land. And I'm tired of this. You know what scares me? This ain't even in my notes. You know what scares me? Is that people say things like this. Well, I'm just, you know, they're praying for somebody to get right with God and they're th they're say, they say things like this. Well, you know, when they get to the bottom of the barrel, they'll, they'll look up. 
And what scares me is that I've watched people and thought that very same thing, and it's like they never hit the bottom. They never get to this place where they lament and they go, man, I'm tired of this. Something's wrong. And I need to get right with God. They never get to that place. Listen to me. Take an honest assessment of yourself and where you're at and acknowledge it. I'm tired of it. That's what Israel did. And then that, that, that helps with your brokenness. And here's, the, and here's the second thing. Watch this. Not only did they take an honest assessment of their self, but the object of their sorrow, the object of their sorrow was the Lord. Look at what it says carefully. It says they lamented after the Lord. He was the object of their sorrow. You, you understand what, it, what I'm saying? What, what's interesting to note is that Israel didn't just lament. They didn't just lament over their circumstances. They lamented after the Lord. In other words, it wasn't that they were just sick and tired of being oppressed by their enemies. They knew that the cause of that was that they were missing the Lord in their lives and they wanted to be right with Him. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, that is so key for you and me. When things are out of order, yeah, life doesn't go good. That's the reality. And we're defeated, we get discouraged, we're frustrated, we're miserable. And, and this also creates misery for those around us. But sorrowing over sin isn't just to be, look, right with the people around us or to make life better again. The root of all of it is this, we're missing our walk with our God and therefore, He must become the object of our brokenness. We don't just long to get right with our spouse or our parents or our pastor. No, we long to get right with God. It's not just a sorrow over sin. Listen, because it's not about, it's because not being right with Him, the ultimately not being right with Him is what causes all of those other things. I, I, listen, that, that's, that's the difference here, and I think that's what you and I got to grab a hold of tonight. I, I remember a story, Brother Dave McCracken. Man, that guy's crazy. And uh, he, he told this story years ago. He was pastoring in, in Bible Baptist Church in Stillwater, and I think I probably told this one too before, but it's a great testimony. There was a guy that came in the church, him and his wife, and sat down in the back row back there in the church, and Brother McCracken was preaching, gave the invitation. The guy came forward and... Uh, and came to the altar, and there was an altar worker came up and spent some time with him on the altar and in prayer. And then so after the invitation, they sat on the front row and filled out a card and handed the card to Brother McCracken. And so Brother McCracken brings the guy up before the church and says, all right, this is, this is Neil. And Neil comes forward this morning receiving Christ as his Savior. And the whole church just rejoiced. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, everybody came by, shook his hand, and, and they went out for the day. The next Sunday rolled around, and there was Neil and his wife, and they came in the back door and sat in the back row. And Brother McCracken preached, and, and Neil came forward and walked the aisle that morning and got on the altar, and this, this is the next Sunday. And there was a walk worker, came down with Neil, spent some time going through the Scriptures, and filled out a little card and sat down on the front row and handed the card to Brother McCracken. And Brother McCracken goes, all right, Neil, come on up here. And he goes, all right, this is Neil, and he comes forward this morning, and Neil... Neil receives Christ as his Savior. 
Neil, didn't you just do this last Sunday? And Neil says something along the lines of, yeah. He said, well, last Sunday I came in because my marriage was a mess and I walked the aisle because I figured if I got saved, it would make things right with my wife. But this morning I come before God because I'm a sinner and I need to be saved and I got saved. Do you see the difference? Is everybody catching this? The object, listen, the object of his repentance, the ob- or the object of his sorrow the first time around was humanly speaking. It was worldly sorrow. He didn't genuinely get saved. But my friend, when he realized where he stood before God and that God was the audience and he got broken over who he was, then that's when he genuinely got saved. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, and I realize that's a testimony of salvation, but sometimes maybe that's the issue at hand. Maybe that's why things aren't out of order because things have never been in order because you really need to be saved because you got saved for the wrong reasons. You didn't get saved for the biblical reasons. You got saved to make mom happy or dad happy or your spouse happy or whoever happy. No, you need to get saved because God loves you and wants you to be saved. And maybe that's the real reason why, but I'm just saying to you, sometimes things are out of order in our lives and we get caught in something or we get in trouble about something so we want to get things right and it only lasts for a little while and here's why. Because man is our audience instead of God being our audience. When it came to Israel, listen, when it came to Israel, they lamented and they lamented after God because God was their audience and that's who needs to be ours. Something else. Look down at verse number three here quickly. Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, And put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So I want you to think about this one here with me. So setting things in order, it it starts with, with sorrow over sin before God, doesn't it? Godly sorrow. But I would say to you this, setting things in order... It continues with sanctification from sin. Look at that again. Samuel said, put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth from among you. You know, we we already somewhat seen this, but I, I would say to you this, that the natural flow of things is that when we really have godly sorrow, the natural flow of that is this, repent. Isn't it? Repentance toward God. Repentance is a change of mind that produces a change of direction. And so therefore we stop doing whatever it is that we are doing. And we turn from that and we do what is right and pleases God. And this is ultimately the instruction that we find Samuel giving in verse number 3. He's basically saying, look. If you're really lamenting, lamenting, lamenting over the Lord, or lamenting after the Lord, then it'll produce real fruit in your life. Kind of seems like we just saw a ministry about that. With John the Baptist. And Jesus Christ. Huh. This is pretty interesting. Look at, look, look again. He, let, let, me, let me just say this. 
Let me point out some things from this here about, you know, sanctifying, separating. That's what it means from sin. The first thing that I would say to you is this, is that, you know, this means we cannot have a divided heart. Look at verse number three again. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord... With part of your hearts. That's not what he said, is it? He said all your hearts. Then, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and, and serve Him and serve Him only. See, see what, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that When he says, if you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, that's a stipulation to setting things in order with God. It's a stipulation. you got to understand tonight, listen, God's a jealous God. You know what that means? That means this, He's not interested in sharing. He's not interested in sharing you and sharing me with false gods. He's not. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be added to our idols. And don't look at me tonight like we don't have idols. Some of us saw some playing today on the television set. In fact, there's some that aren't in church tonight because of that. That's the God they serve. All right, man, it got quiet in here, huh? All right. No, but we do have idols, but I'm telling you tonight, God wants all of us. In, in my life, listen, in my life, and I'm just going to give you this tonight, and I want you to listen to this. In my life, I know that there are times where my heart is divided. Even though I know it's wrong and it's not pleasing unto the Lord, and I'm even seeking forgiveness about it, I also know this, that I want to go back to it when I get a chance to. And when my heart is like this, please listen to this tonight, things aren't going to be set in order. Because I have a divided heart. Don't look at me tonight like I'm the only one that does that. The truth of the matter is every one of us in here do that. We have times in our lives where we have divided hearts. I'm just, I'm just telling you. So, so, so what do you do when that happens, preacher? Well, here's what you do. You go back to the first point. You need godly sorrow. You need to lament and, and lament before God. You need God because what you have is worldly sorrow. So, so you need to go back to the first point. You cannot have a divided heart. But here's the second thing that I want to point out, and that's this. We must be willing to make some changes. Mercy, it seems like there's a lot of people distracted in here tonight. People looking down at their phones and dozing off and falling asleep and getting up and going out and in. Listen to me tonight. This is so very important. You need to listen to this. I'm telling you, you need to be willing to make some changes. Look at what he says. He says, put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you. Ashtaroth was the false god of Syria. This goes all the way, this goes all the way back to Judges chapter 2. In the generation after Joshua that came into the land. In Judges 2.13 it says, and they forsook the Lord, Jehovah God, and served Baal and Asheroth. That's exactly what he's talking about right here. And notice this. He says this. It prepares our hearts. And again, showing that God is not interested in being split between 
false gods. And what he's saying is this, is that if you'll put away these gods from among you, it will demonstrate to God that you are serious. But this is what I want you to grab a hold of. Please get this tonight. This isn't something that just crept in their lives a few days ago or a few weeks ago or a few months ago. This has been in their lives for generations. And Samuel's going, listen, I don't care if grandma and grandpa did it and said it was okay. It's not okay. Get it out. And they were willing, they were willing to do it. Listen, look up here, look up here, look up here, look up here. Don't let your comfort zone be your idol. Don't let your comfort zone be your idol. Because we all got them. We all got a little things we like to do and we like to play with and we like to dabble in and we're comfortable there. And things get out of order. And we stay comfortable because we don't want to mess that up. Let me give you the last thing. Look at verse number four. The children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. I like that. Let me give you the last thing tonight, and I'm through. Setting things in order ends when we are serving the Lord again. We're serving the Lord again. You know, let me, let me just say this. Be careful thinking that this is talking about Israel dutifully going through the motions of the law of Moses. Well, they're serving the Lord again. They're doing the sacrifices. They're going to the tabernacle. They're doing... No, 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 no. That's not, that's, not exactly what, that's not exactly what everything here is talking about when it says that they serve the Lord. The reality is this has far more to do with devotion than duty. It has more to do with worship than works. Nobody catching this? Oh, yeah, sure, there were sacrifices. They were keeping the law, all of that stuff. They were getting back to doing things how they were supposed to be doing things. But this also has the idea that Israel made God preeminent again. First place. He was first place in their hearts and in their lives. And you know what? As such, they worshiped Him. They lived for Him. And the bottom line is this. Now watch this. When God's at the top, that, that's when things are back how they're supposed to be. Catch that? Brokenness? Getting right with God? Sanctification? Getting some junk out? Worship. As much as we focus on putting evil things out, and that's important, I'm going to tell you something, it's just as important to put right things in. You get, world, you get rid of worldly music, man, great, put some godly music in. You get rid of God, ungodly entertainment, great, put the Word of God back in your life. You get rid of idols, great, good, come back to church. Spend time with God in prayer, be in love with Him. You want to know how you've gotten things right, back right with, uh, with God, have things, you've gotten things back in order? Let me ask you this, how's your heart towards church? How's your heart towards prayer? How's your heart towards the Bible? How is your heart towards worship? When's the last time you actually came to church and really worshiped God? 
When's the last time? I know this is a silly illustration. It's silly, and that's fine. But many of us took down our Christmas decorations a while back. Hopefully you did. If you're not, that's, if you didn't, that's the 11th commandment. Thou shalt take the Christmas decorations down. After, you know. Mercy. Don't be that neighbor. Amen. Don't. Let, let me look, look, look up here. I, I didn't. I didn't leave my Christmas decorations up and then bring our normal stuff out and put it back up. I didn't do that. We took all the Christmas decorations down got them out and then we put the normal stuff back in and put everything back in that's putting it in order and, and again I know it's a silly illustration but the truth of the matter is that's, that's, that's exactly that's this if you want to get right with God it's not that complicated you just got to be willing to do it and that's the way you got to do it there's not another way there's got to be a genuine sorrow over your sin and who you are and how much you need Him. And then you've got to be willing to give up some things that aren't pleasing unto Him. It may be, in, it may have, well, you preach, you don't understand. It's just been in my life. And I, it doesn't matter. If it's not pleasing unto Him, it's got to go. And then you put the right things back in and fall in love with Him again and make Him preeminent. And that's when things, that's when things are set. In order. That's, that's what they do. I mean, it's just so simple. But that's what you and I got to do. So really the question tonight is this, is that things are not in order. Are you willing to do that? Well, you got to if you want them in order. Let's all stand up.